Have you ever wondered where the term podcast comes from? It's an interesting story. You see, the word originates from the Greek word potimus, which is a giant mythical moose-like creature with golden antlers. So that's just a little history lesson from me to you. Enjoy the potimus. Welcome to the RGGEDU podcast where Rob and Gary dance in the moonlight in the middle of the day. Season 5 of the RGG EDU podcast is brought to you by Tenma, who 25 years ago set out to create the most durable, versatile, and well-made bags in the world for photographers and for filmmakers. From shipping to transport, rolling in air cases, to shoulder and messenger bags, day packs and accessories, Tenma never compromises, and neither should you. In this episode, we're joined with Brett Stanley, who is an advertising and fashion photographer who's also known for his underwater photography, which is really badass. He's the underwater guy. Yeah. The guy for underwater. One one of them. And Rob Grimm's Grimm's here. I'm one of them. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here. I'm always here. I seem to never leave. So is is that how you describe your work? You're the underwater photographer? Are you more fashion? Yeah. I mean, most of my work these days is underwater. Um... Actually, I kind of I struggle to think of anything I've done out of the water recently. <laughs> and then maybe the last two years, that's all I've done is, is underwater. So, yeah. How did you get into that? Uh, I just love the water. Like, it's my happy place. It's where I grew up. Um, and I was diving since I was 16 and became a photographer when I was in my late 20s. And just trying to marry those two things together... Um, without taking pictures of fish, which kind of bores me to tears a little bit. Yeah. Right. Um, just trying to push that and try and do something a little bit different. Um, I'd rather be underwater than in a studio any day. Yeah. So where'd you grow up? What was that like? Uh, I grew up in a little town called uh, Terrigal uh, in Australia. It's just north of Sydney. Um, and it was cool. Like, we surfed every day, you know. It was that typical Australian beach town and... Uh, if you didn't have a tan, you were kind of ostracized. <laughs> <laughs> a sun virgin, they called you. Um, but it was just all about the water. We had a swimming pool in my backyard. I spent all my days in there mm. um, as much as I could. Fresh water or salt water? Fre- oh, with like chlorine. chlorine. Yeah, fresh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but you know, like I just everything I did when I was a kid, you know, I did like play karate stuff underwater because you could jump up in the air and do all those moves and stuff um, and just make stuff up. And then when I was old enough to get my diving license, it was, um, it was just opened up everything else. Yeah. So what were you doing to make money in your 20s before you became a photographer? So I started off playing in bands. Um, you were I was a rocker, huh? I was a rocker, right yeah. Um, what would you play? Bass. The bass. Yeah. He seems like a bass player, doesn't he? What does that mean? <laughs> he just looks like a bass player. <laughs> what does that mean, Rob? I mean, he looks like the guy. Stop insulting our guests. Oh, Jesus for Christ, the, for I'm going to stab you in the head with this thing. <laughs> what? Pen. Well, if that would get you to create a jingle and do it it might yeah, yeah. have you thought of a jingle yet <laughs> gary's gonna die by a pen that's not a jingle rob <laughs> that's not the rgg podcast All right, let's jingle. get back to let's right. get back to brad <laughs> you were you were in a band yeah so i was playing in bands um and what we called um playing music for the government which playing was, music for the government yeah it's when you get paid by the government to play music when because does that you're, happen? It's because you're unemployed, and so you're on oh. welfare. Oh. <laughs> and then you play music. Yeah. Wait, so you guys sense. didn't have girlfriends? Because usually musicians have girlfriends, so they're not homeless. You know? We had girlfriends, but I think because um, we'd all live in like you know, 10 people in, in one house. So it would be, you know, we were all just packed in. Right. Um, 
And then you chip all your money in to try and buy alcohol. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is really expensive in Australia. Compared to here, everything is expensive here. Yeah, what's the, what's the deal with that? I lived in Australia for a year, and I'm just oh. like, the only way to get you know, a cheap drunk was the goon. The goon. Slapping the goon bag. Oh. My stomach hurts just thinking about <laughs> I know. that shit. It's, 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 what it's is the, goon? It's box wine. Oh. Yeah. Basically, you, yeah. get, you get the bag out, and you just chug it right out of the, the little Sil- silver bag, and then you're Sil- supposed yeah, to slap the bags. Slap the, the bag? Yeah, that was the thing. I don't know. Oof. I was living there in 2005, and Wollongong, I went to Wollongong. Wollongong. Yeah, the gong. Oh, yeah. yeah South there. Sydney, Wait, did you slap yeah. the bag in the gong? <laughs> <laughs> I slapped it yeah, right lived in the gong. Slapped the bag in the gong. Yeah. You know. Did you slap the bag in the gong? I've never slapped a get bag in the gong. Yeah. Yeah. No. But you have yeah. slapped a bag. I've slapped a bag. Yeah. In many places, just not the gong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I slapped it right in the coochie once. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I like it. Oh, yes. Do. That sounds that sounds good. <laughs> but right. yeah, Goon's kind of. I, I can't drink white wine anymore. Oh yeah, just because yeah. of Goonie. I know, absolutely. Yeah. All right, so you're kind of starting out as a photographer. When did you really start referring to yourself as a photographer? Um, I started referring to myself as a photographer way before I could actually call myself a photographer. Because you know when you go through the airport uh, and they give you those cards that you have to fill in the immigration forms and you have yeah. to put your occupation on there. I'd always put photographer on there, even if I wasn't one, because <laughs> I was like, oh, cool. no one's going to know. <laughs> so I can just put on there whatever I want. Yeah. Um, which is good until you write something stupid like ophthalmologist. <laughs> <laughs> Did you write that? Yeah. <laughs> what happened? I didn't know what it was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the, uh, the, um, the security guy was like, so what's an ophthalmologist? I'm like, Oh, it's uh, something to do with the eyes, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and he just looked, like, looked at me like I was a dickhead and let me go through. Yeah. 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 Every time I book Rob's ticket, I put like DDS or MD or something. You do? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm surprised you don't notice this on your ticket. Yeah. yeah. Rob Grimm, DDS. I think I've been so desensitized to all the, all the bullshit you pull. I just don't even notice it anymore. Yeah. I know. I got you right where I went to. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. That's a problem. It's a new normal. So what, yeah. was, what was your first underwater shoots like? Compare and contrast those to today. Oh, God. It was terrible. Yeah. Um, the first underwater shoot I did with, with a model, uh, I bought a... It's a glorified plastic bag, really. It's... Um, the Iwa Marine make them. And it's like a Ziploc bag for your camera. And you put that in there um, and zip it up and then hope to God it doesn't leak. Um, and you can't really access any of the buttons or anything. Mm-hmm. And the deeper you go into the water, the more it laminates to your camera. Oh. So the deeper you go, it starts pushing some buttons. Oh, seriously? Yeah. Wow. Uncontrollably. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't focus or anything. Like if you've got a focus ring, you've got to kind of pull focus before you go under... Because once you're down there, it's not going to move because it's, it's shrink-wrapped. Yeah. yeah. So that was a real learning experience, trying to do that. And then um, trying to direct a model to know what looks good. Because um, everything changes once you're underwater. The physics and everything is yeah. just... Everything goes out the window. Yeah. Wait, before we really get into the whole underwater thing, which I, I want to concentrate on, what was your real pathway into photography and, and then transitioning into being the underwater guy? So I started... I was traveling a lot, um, yeah. and I first went to India in 99, I think, and I took, uh, I inherited my brother's camera, which was this, like, solid steel Russian Zenit. Nice. Um, 35 mil, and it weighed a ton. It was half of my carry-on, I think. <laughs> now, were you, were you playing music for the government back in, uh, in India, too? Um, no, I think I might have had a job then. Yeah, right on. Yeah. You were gainfully employed. Yeah. Look at you. 
I know. I, I was growing up. It was great. Thanks. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, so I started doing travel photography as a way to just travel and take photos. Right. Um, and got a few bits and pieces published, but it was um, nothing really kind of commercial. And then um, I started doing like weddings and stuff, shooting for my friends and their families and things. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a programmer at the time, so I was doing building websites. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a way to get away from sitting behind a computer the whole time. Little did I know that 10, 15 years later, I was going to be sitting behind the computer all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Retouching. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, and then so someone said to me, you know, I would totally pay you to take, just take photos all the time. And I was like, okay. I can do that. I'm yeah. going to do that. Yeah. yeah. So I quit my job and then I had to find a way to make it all pay. And it took a while to get that. Because the industry for me is like, it's very, it's very saturated. And I maybe started maybe 10 years ago professionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even weddings, like weddings were cool and they were a good paycheck, but it was hard work and then all weekends are gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, the, the competition is pretty fierce. So I was always trying to find a niche and getting into the underwater stuff was kind of that niche. And it was just something to try, something to play with. Um, and the first thing I did was, apart from models, was taking um, circus performers underwater. Oh, cool. So trapeze artists and that sort of stuff. Because I was looking at, I was shooting their events and I would see them and i think, hang on, I wonder if I could do that underwater. Um, and I have a friend who does a aerial chains mm-hmm. act where she hangs off these chains 20 feet in the air um, and she was game we jumped into a pool and uh, took some shots and it was incredible like, people just loved it it took off uh, and then suddenly people are wanting me to, to come and shoot them doing that stuff so then that's where the, my whole kind of business model came from it was just travelling around and taking pictures of people underwater Right. what are the physics of working underwater I know it's so challenging you've got um, I mean, it, it changes everything, not only physically, but optically, too. Yeah. There are some big changes that happen as light is refracted through the water. Yeah. So you've got... Um, the water magnifies things by 20%. So already your focal length has changed, which also changes your, your focus length I as know, well. I didn't know, 20%. Yeah, 20, 20-ish percent. Huh. So if you ever look through, like, a fish tank or whatever, you can kind of, like, the top half of it, is normal size, but if you put your fingers in, or even a like, glass of right. water, it magnifies it right. a little bit. And you've got refraction as well, so it kind of uh, changes the angle that light comes right. in at. It spills. Yeah. And the, um, the water spills. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what was your, your first big shoot where you started to kind of get the confidence of, oh, shit, I can maybe do this for a living? Um, it was a whole bunch of, of little ones, I think. Um, I'm not big on kind of jumping the gun too much. I kind of I play things a little bit safe um, just to, you know, I don't like to sort of push myself up too much. Like I don't kind of get too cocky. Um, and it was just the little ones where, and especially underwater because you kind of try something and you've got limited time, you've got limited um, equipment as well. So the equipment I was making was, because um, I couldn't afford a lot of the stuff, I was making my own equipment. Like really? housings or? Yeah, so housings for speed lights and things like that. So taking ah. them under and working out ways to trigger them and, and sort of do what I did in the studio but take it underwater. Um, How complicated is it to build an underwater housing for a light that sounds dangerous? It's not hell. complicated, but it's uh, there's a lot of faith involved. Yeah. You know, so you I don't want to get fried. Yeah, 
And I was using like Canon uh, 580s, yeah. you know, $800 street speed lights. Um, now I buy like $27 ones off Amazon. Yeah. And, you know, if they get fried, it's... it's throw them away. Yeah. 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 I mean, they're cheaper than the batteries you put in them half the time. Right. Um, but the biggest one I, I did where I was kind of like, all right, this is what I want to do. This is amazing. Was taking five underwater performers at once and shooting them all at the same time. So... Uh, they had built this apparatus, which was um, like a web of, of chains, and they took it. We took it underwater, suspended it, and five of them were sitting on it and like performing at the same time. And it was then when I realised that I had my light dialed in, I had my like communication and direction for the model, um, and just knowing what to expect. Because when you've got five people, and you can't talk when you're down there, so you just not you can't communicate at all. So you've got to talk on the surface and know exactly what you're about to do. And for me to be able to confidently tell people that and then go under it and it all work well, that's kind of when I started. So there's got to be an enormous amount of planning and even pre-visualization on your part to really think, okay, where do I want these people to wind up in the frame? What do I want them to be doing? You talk about that on the surface. Do you do hand signals and and make motions for them underwater? Or is it just you go down, you do a couple things, come back up and talk about it? You kind of have to talk about it because they don't have masks on, so they can't see anything. Everything's a big blur. Yeah. Um, so hand signals don't really work. Sometimes I'll use a torch, like as a flash, yeah, uh, just to give them like a, a go signal or a stop, okay, because um, they can see that. But it, it's totally blurry under there. Um, so above the water, we talk about it, and and everyone's got their part. And it's like um, you have to give them options. So if you're going down and you want a certain movement, you've got to tell them things that they can do to get into that movement. Um, ways to get in because once your body's underwater you kind of don't really know where it is anymore yeah I was going to say what what kind of learning curve do they have particularly if they're you know if they're a trapeze artist and they're used to floating through the air yeah and now you ask them to go underwater and everything is changing they now have a force kind of pushing against them they're floating they can't move the same way what's the learning curve like for your your talent under the water it's pretty steep Um, Because what happens is, especially with these performers, is they're so used to gravity pulling them into stuff. Mm -hmm. So if they're a trapeze artist, it's pulling them down. Whereas underwater, you've got buoyancy, and it's kind of pulling them up. So suddenly all their muscle memory changes. They don't really know anymore how to pull that pose off. Because everything's now in opposition to what it normally should be. Yeah. But they do have... uh, Other things are a little bit easier because now they can sort of float. They've kind of got that sort of weightlessness. Mm -hmm. So they can just kind of let go or pull themselves in a bit or you know they kind of got a little bit of static to be able to play with but that learning curve of of um of being able to do their thing underwater probably takes about 20 25 minutes just so it's not as bad as i would think in some in some cases i would think it'd be a lot worse it, it gets worse um it's me that gets better i get better at explaining things so my experience has made that a lot easier mm-hmm rather than me going we'll just go there and try it and oh okay well you looked good but can you lift your leg up and right. that doesn't really kind of tell them what I want whereas I can go down there and go or get let before they go down I'll say you know just let the the buoyancy float you up into it mm-hmm. or if you flip the room upside down your gravity is now your buoyancy so do that pose upside down and it will pull you up into that interesting rather than kind of pulling you down and I'm guessing you only have what 20-30 seconds before they you know they on shoot average. as long as they can hold their breath. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So are you using a mask and a respirator, or are you just doing it breathing the way they are? I mean, obviously, they're going under just holding. Yeah. Unless we're out in the ocean, um, 
I will just free dive. Yeah. Because I want to come up every time and talk to them after every shot anyway. Right. Um, so there's no point having tanks on. Right. Sometimes we will do a shoot where uh, we need the model. Let's say if we've built a set or something and the model needs to sort of stay down there. It's just too time consuming to, to have her come up and then go back down and reset. Right. So we'll have safety divers who have tanks. Um, have tanks and they can buddy breathe with, her, with the model. So they put her on a regulator. Right. Um, and then we're all just down there. But that's even worse because then you can't talk at all. Right. So you really have to have a game plan for those ones. <laughs> yeah. what, what are the, the constraints of the pool? I mean, you've, that's got to be a big issue for you, particularly when if you've got five people in a chain structure that you're bringing that you can't just have a little backyard pool. I mean, this is... No, that was, um, that was like a, a diving pool. So mm-hmm. it was 15 feet deep and 30 feet across. Um, so it was big. And the smaller the pool, uh, obviously the smaller the, the set and the mm-hmm. smaller the, the stage you can do in there. Um, I've shot in pools that are, you know, maybe six feet across and only three feet deep and still got good stuff. So you're not really constrained by the pool. It's just depending on what you're going for. Yeah. So, that, so basically you're saying underwater photography is accessible to a lot of people. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. You could shoot in a bathtub if you wanted to, depending on what you're after. You have to have a really tiny, short subject. Well, yeah. <laughs> if you just want hand modeling or something, you know. <laughs> So what's the ideal time of day to, that you do your shoots in? Does it matter? To me, it doesn't matter because I tend to build, um, I build a scrim over the pool. You know, the lighting for me, I'm, I'm big on artificial lighting. Um, natural lighting is it's too uncontrollable in my yeah. mind. I like to be able to, to know exactly yeah. what's happening. Yeah. So you black out the pool above? I don't black it out, but I'll build a scrim. So it'll okay. be um, like diffusion over the top. Because the worst thing with underwater photography is the seems like a big scrim. Yeah. So I have like a 20 by, okay. so 20 by 20 that I'll, I'll put out over the pool. Um, shooting indoors is the best if you can. Yeah. Um, but it's those light rays that look awesome on the bottom of the pool, like floating around. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that are going to kill the shot for you because mm-hmm. they're just these highlights, the really hot the spots. The eye, yeah. Yeah. And then, so then if you don't have any fill, then everything's really contrasty as well. So do you, where do you live now, and do you have your own pool in the backyard? I live in Los Angeles and not at the moment. So are you just always renting pools? Do you have your go-to pools that you have? Yeah, so yeah. I have a couple of pools in L.A. that I use, uh, but mostly because I travel a lot, it's mostly Airbnb. Ah, so you've got Airbnbs with pools. Yeah. Really? Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. And the worst thing Airbnb ever did was um, remove the, the ability to search for something like a keyword search. Because I used to be able to search for pool. houses with a pool right. heated. Oh. You can't do that anymore? No. I thought that was one of the... Um, you can select pool. Filters. Oh, but you, you can't can select pool. heated. Ah, so you got to contact and ask if your yeah. pool's heated? Yeah. And they're like, why do you want to know? You're trying to throw a party? Yeah. <laughs> so do you tell most guests that you're going to be doing that? Yeah, I'm really up front because the last thing I need... Um, yeah, someone canceling. Yeah, someone yeah. turning up. But the most of the time, they're like, are you doing porn? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Does that make it easier? Will you do it cheaper if that is? <laughs> what are the safety constraints that you have with, uh, with shooting in pools? Well, safety is a huge thing because it's, it's so dangerous. Um, depending on, like, if you're using props and sets and stuff, you know, people can get caught on that and they, they can't reach the surface. Yeah. And you can, you know, someone can drown within an inch of the surface and, and you know, that's it. You're done. Yeah, that's a problem. Yeah. So safety for me is um, making sure that there's someone, you know, like a safety person in the water who can get into the model, get to them in time to be able to cut them loose, or especially if you're using some fabric and big frou dresses. 
So you always have a safety person on set. Yeah, if there's not a safety person, then uh, like I'm under there, and, and mm-hmm. a lot of times I'm not that far from them. Yeah. So, but so we do a safety brief. Have you ever had anybody get caught? Never. Thank God. Yeah. 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 So is the safety person usually in your frame and you just, you know, clone them out with a different backplate or is he just no, slightly that, off? Slightly off, yeah. yeah. Underwater, you're using quite a wide lens. I'm using a 16 to 35. Yeah. Um, so at 16, I'm like two feet away from the model and that's still full length. Yeah. So, so the safety person can be, can be just beside me so they can get in in time. Um, but I've done shoots where um, the safety has been pretty sketchy, but the end result was incredible that it was kind of worth the risk. Yeah, that's probably why the end result was incredible because it was a sketchy operation. <laughs> yeah, totally, yeah. <laughs> Are you able to shoot tethered in any way underwater? Do you ever do that? Uh, no, well, kind of. Um, so with the housings, you, you kind of have these things called bulkheads, which is a, a way to get a wire through the, through the housing and keep it waterproof. So I use that for, for my sink, for my strobes. Uh, I've been talking to my uh, manufacturer of the housing to get a tether through um so that's the next step but what i have been using is those wi-fi cards yeah the hi-fi cards yeah yeah do they, yeah. Do they work yeah yeah they just don't work slower underwater. i was, yeah, yeah. was gonna say yeah. does it work underwater or no yeah so you got to come up and let it all kind of catch yeah. up yeah huh. but i'll shoot with an ipad sitting on the side of the pool oh, so you come up and check it out yeah that's nice it's good because the screen on the back of the housing's tiny yeah um and the lighting's usually really bad, and you know it's really hard to see. Are you still only using um, speed lights, or do you have other? You put no, in so I kind of graduated um, to underwater strobes. So Who makes actually, those? Uh, CNC is the company that uses that makes the ones that I use. So it's a strobe that is in a housing, or the, the whole thing is so the whole thing is a housing. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. these are built for diving for dive photographers. Gotcha. Um, so they're rated to like 100, 150, 200 feet. What do those cost? They're about the price of a speed light. So. Oh, seven hundred dollars. Are yeah. they controllable? I mean, do you have yeah. a good amount of range to control? Yeah, so all the controls are on the outside. You can change all that. It's got like a modeling light. Um, they've got fiber optic sensors in them, so I can link them all up, so I can spread them all around the place. That's awesome. So, what, what yeah. what's been the craziest, most challenging shoot that you've done? <laughs> um, well, the craziest, most challenging one was the one that had the least amount of safety in it. Um, I went down to the Bahamas. Uh, to shoot with a um, with two underwater models uh, who invited me down. One of the models w- had a boat, so he's got a sailboat. He lives the year, all, all the year in the Bahamas mm-hmm. on, his, on his sailboat. Yeah, bastard. Yeah, and he's like he's these uh, he's a really good looking male model who lives on a sailboat in the middle of the Bahamas, and it's like, it's just you just got to stop, just cut it out. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's too. It's not real. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but him and another model, Hannah, Hannah Fraser, who's a professional mermaid. Um, Wait, professional mermaid? That's actually a title. That is a title. That's a job description. Yeah. That's not something I've ever heard before. That's interesting. Rob, you could yeah. be a professional merman. Oh, sign me up. Oh, the market's open for that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the market's open. For what, would that. Your, what would be your merman name? Oh, Lord. Wouldn't it have to be something like Triton? I mean, it would have to be something epic. You could go there. could go there. Poseidon. Mm. I don't know. What would my name be? Well, I was trying to think. Yeah. I don't know. Seaweed. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Seaweed. (laughs) 
Seaweed, the merman. <laughs> seaweed, the dancing merman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you get your little underwater oh shovel going on. God, I love this. I got a new career. I'm excited yeah. about this. I'll make you That's an good. email. Yeah. Seaweed at rggedu.com. <laughs> well, now, you, now we have to do this. I mean, you have to photograph me as a merman. I'm sorry. Yeah. What if yeah. we did yeah. the Burt Reynolds shoot underwater? Now you might be talking. So, you know the pretty pretty iconic shot of Burt Reynolds naked on a bearskin rug? Yeah. I think we should do that with Rob underwater. Oh, yeah. We'll put the bearskin rug under there, and we'll seaweed. get like a polar bear one. Seaweed on a polar bear rug. Yeah. yeah. Seaweed. <laughs> That's yeah. the greatest thing. I love it. We'll, yeah, we'll get like the bottom. We'll rent the bottom, and you'll be laying there just topless, you know, with your... What color is his tail? Is it, It's green. Seaweed, right? Dark green. Yeah. Oh. Like like a if you're listening, oh, I think it's got to be like emerald and black. If, I mean, it's got to be. It's got to have. Something. If you know how to make yeah, this, have something. if you know how to make this, email me, and we're gonna make it happen. A merman costume. Yeah, for Rob, and we yeah. just need a polar bear rug, and go underwater. Okay, so let's go back to the Bahamas. Where first of all, everything is dicey in the Bahamas. Can yeah. we just say that? Like, I hadn't heard that before. I went everything there. in uh, the Bahamas is dicey. Right. Yeah. Um, so you're with this ridiculously good-looking guy with his boat. Yeah, and a professional mermaid, and a professional mermaid. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Who's, whose name is Hannah Mermaid. Hannah Mermaid. Yeah. Are, does she have competition? Are there other mermaids? That are... Yeah, there are a few. I mean, she's probably her and, and another girl called Lyndon, who both live in LA. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably like the, the the kind of the first. First of all, of course they live in LA. They're mermaids. Exactly. Yeah. Where else yeah. are they going to live? I mean, they're not going to come from Boise. Let's no. just say this. <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> and when they retire, they're going to go to Miami. I think so. Right. Yeah. Right. Um. Yeah, so we're out in the out in the water, uh, and we wanted to do a shoot with, um, ti- not tiger sharks, reef sharks. Oh, so, shit. which are like you know, six, seven, eight feet long, and they are aggressive, right? They and, can be. Yeah, yeah. You're shooting light in their eyes. You know? Well, that was the thing. Oh, so I, oh, you know, I've dived all my life, but never had to deal with, like, really photographing these animals. So I was like, yeah. So what what shouldn't I be doing? And he's like, well, you don't want to wear anything shiny. <laughs> So that's my, you know, silver yeah. lame outfit has gone. <laughs> um, and you don't want to, you know, anything shiny or anything sparkly, they're going to want to, they're interested in. And they're going to come up and try and work out what it is. Um, like lenses and lights. Yeah. yeah. Like everything that I'm holding on to. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, what happens? Like, what's, what's gonna, what are they going to do? And they said, they're going to come up and bump you because they want to know kind of what it is. And that's how they, they work it out. They're like dogs. They come along and, you know, smack into you a bit. Right. Are you serious? Like, I'm going to be down there with just you two. Getting bumped by sharks. Yeah. Yeah. And did that happen? Uh, no, luckily. Thank you. Thank you. But I said, what happens if that happens? And he said, just push them away. What? Punched them. (laughs) Yeah, you got to punch them in the nose. Yeah, punch them right in the nose. Yeah. This guy has no idea what he's talking about. Or he's just totally bullshitting you. (laughs) I had to trust this guy. So, you know. No, you made the choice to trust him. Never trust a man that owns a sailboat (laughs) and lives in the Bahamas. You made a bad choice. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Maybe. But, you know, I kind of had to trust someone, and I didn't know what I was doing. So, right. But so we, we're about to get in the water, and we're going to be... We're on this reef, um, and we need to be 20 feet down. And these two models have got a tank between the two of them. So we drop the anchor line, and we, he wants to chum the water, which is, you know, putting, like, fish guts and blood and right, stuff. Right, so the sharks come. So the sharks come, yeah. yeah. What he said was, is we needed to do it at midday because that's when the sharks are the most docile because they don't like to hunt because their shadows are below them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the fish can see them coming. So we wait till midday, chum the water, 
And we're in this little dinghy off the side of the boat. So we're away from the main boat. And uh, you can see the sharks kind of circling around below us. And he's like, okay, cool. So what we're going to do is we're going to climb down the anchor line to the sandy bottom and we'll shoot down there. And they've got some outfits and stuff, you know, big kind of flowy stuff. Um, We climb down the line. And as you're going down, you're seeing more and more sharks turn up. Yeah, you had three to start with. And now as we get close to the surface, there's like six of them. And they're all just circling around trying to work out where this amazing fishy smell is coming from. We get down the bottom, they, they all set up. And their thing is that they have to breathe on the regulator and then when they're ready let go of that regulator swim about six feet away from the tank do some posing some bouncing up and down and then get back and find that tank and that regulator again and i can't help them because i'm further away shooting on the camera so they've kind of got to get used to doing this they've done it all before so it's not too bad but while they're sort of setting up i'm checking my camera and i'm not pulling focus and I couldn't work out what was going on. And I realized that my autofocus is turned off and I don't have manual focus. And I can't change that unless I go back up to the boat. Mm-hmm. So I signal to them. And if all of us go up, we're kind of going to miss our time slot. So I'm just going to go by myself. And the scariest thing was pulling myself back up that anchor line with six sharks kind of circling around me. And I'm heading back to the dead fish. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so I can climb out onto the boat, open it up, uh, switch that one little switch that changes yeah. manual to auto, put it all back on again, and then come back down the, the line. And by the time I get down there, the sharks have like, you know, there's now there's like 10 sharks, and they're all really hungry. Um, and that was kind of sketchy as hell. <laughs> yeah. Needless to say. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, standing on the bottom there and shooting, and these sharks are just kind of swimming around the models. Um, and you just have to time it, so it's... Um, when the sharks are in the right spot, then you have to tell the model t- to go and start posing and jumping up and down because they kind of, you know, you want to get that floating kind of look. But doing all that and then getting back up there, it wasn't until I got back on the boat that I realized how sketchy that entire shoot was. <laughs> yeah. So, so the pictures turned out? Yeah. Yeah. They were good. Yeah. It, they really loved them? Yeah. Yeah. And the sharks did really well too. The sharks got copies. Yeah. yeah. Did you, they have to sign releases, the sharks? Yeah. 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 So you're doing motion too as well. Are you doing They're underage? So to get their guardians. How does motion compare? Are you doing that underwater as well? I'm starting to do more motion, um, and it's a lot less forgiving. So, so when you shoot underwater, like the post production is huge because there's so much crap floating around in the water, or you know your colours might be off because colours change when you're down there as well. Everything gets a lot um, cooler because the, the the warmer spectrum drops off really quick. So everything gets bluer and bluer. Yeah, it's filtered out. Yeah. So white balance uh, for motion is, is really important. Um, and you can edit so much stuff in a still. But with motion, you've kind of got to have everything on point mm-hmm. at that for the whole time. Who's involved with your crew? Like, I would imagine wardrobe is a, is a really important part of it. Like, who's around you when you do these shoots? Uh, so depending on what it is, a lot of the times the models will just come with their own stuff. So I shoot a lot of cosplay. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those who don't know, cosplay is when you dress up like you're going to Comic-Con, mm-hmm. dress up as characters. So I'll do a lot of that underwater. So they've built their, their own. own costumes. Justin, Justin, our audio guy, dresses up, goes to cosplay. Sweet. Don't you? What, what, what's the last time you dressed up? I've never dressed up. Oh, come on. Don't be shy. Don't, 
up. <laughs> Actually, we were talking about this this morning. He said he goes and he photographs it, but he's never dressed up. His do you want to dress up? You want to? Seriously. He does. Seriously. You can see it in his eyes right now. He if we wants got to you dress a costume. Up. Would you? If you were to go, who would you dress up as? He has no idea. You would. You know. You know. You know. Do you mean you not? You don't dress up because you're never not dressed up. <laughs> <laughs> So you also have portfolios with, you know, commercial work and, you know, for advertising and also fashion. What are you shooting the most of? Who's, are you primarily underwater? Are you getting a lot of work for advertising as well? No, it's, it's interesting. So as soon as I went into the underwater realm, um, I just kind of stayed there. So everything else kind of fell by the wayside. So it's kind of an obsession for me. So I'm kind of trying to push that, that a lot, the boundaries of that. Um, and so chasing the, the dry land work kind of... And I kind of went out the window a bit. Um, so at the moment, that's where I'm kind of trying to push is to get more kind of commercial underwater work. How much opportunity is there for commercial underwater work? And how much competition do you have? I mean, obviously, guys like Howard Schatz are very well known for mm. um, the underwater work. How many, how many people are in that niche? Because it's, it's a niche for sure. Yeah, it's an interesting niche because um, if you look at it, there's quite a lot of people in it. But it ranges from very amateur to to really amazing, uh, high quality stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a woman in um, the UK called Zena Holloway, and she's kind of the epitome of uh, your commercial underwater photographer. So she's doing ads for, you know, gin companies and airlines and all this sort of stuff. Um, the problem that you face as an underwater photographer in getting into the commercial world is that it's almost the same problem that a lot of photographers get is as soon as an agency gets one photographer then they stick with that photographer Mm -hmm. and they'll get that photographer to to do the underwater stuff because it's easier for them to go with someone that they know and then maybe get him to work out how to do it than starting a relationship with someone who knows what they're doing without having uh, that relationship there already that surprises me i would think that the, the rep would actually want to add to their stable have an additional photographer to offer yeah it's interesting and uh, by agency i mean like advertising agencies oh, oh, as it. opposed to uh, a rep. okay i thought you were talking rep. yeah, yeah. Um, but, that makes sense actually yeah because it's a relationship business yeah you know i mean everybody is they build these relationships and it's they're here to stay so to speak yeah and that's kind of what you're up against is you kind of uh you know i've done like portfolio viewings and all that sort of stuff and it's kind of like well why would we go with you when you know, we've probably already got someone who can do this. What's why they don't really understand what's involved. Cause you in know what the it. hell you're doing and those other people don't. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But a lot of times they'll take a chance on just that other guy working it out. That seems risky considering how dangerous underwater photography can be. Yeah. That's, that seems like a really stupid move for an ad agency to make. It's just, it's just the kind of the average, I think yeah. they will, they will, will go outside their, their little circle and, and if the job is big enough, they will get people in. But the other thing with, with commercial is they don't understand the cost of doing underwater. Everything doubles or triples because as soon as you're down there, you, your crew doubles the size because you've got safety divers, you've got people who, you know, props guys, you've got all this stuff. You probably need a, a ton of sandbags too. Like how many sandbags do you have to have to hold those scrims down and everything? Yeah. You know? And even sand, so we use shot bags. Um, which are full of stainless steel shot because yeah. you can't use sandbags underwater. So suddenly there, there's an increasing cost in that. Why can't well. you use... Because the sand's messy and comes out? No, the sand doesn't yeah. weigh anything underwater. As soon as you put a sandbag underwater, it doesn't really have It becomes the, buoyant? 
Not buoyant, but it just doesn't really weigh as much. Ah. Because the water, the sand fills up with water. It absorbs. Yeah. yeah. And it's not as dense anymore. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. So how much is a shot bag? How much does that cost? Oh, just one shot bag is probably like, you know, $60, $70. Good Lord. Yeah. Then do you own all those or do you always rent them? I, uh, so I use a lot of little ones. So I've got a system for what I do. Um, and it's just something that I've worked out over the years. Um, so I have maybe two shot bags and that kind of does me for what I need on the surface. I just use sandbags cause you don't need them to be as, as heavy, but yeah, in the water, I kind of have worked out what I do and don't need. So what is the camera system you're using now underwater? Uh, I use, um, the Canon 5D Mark III. Uh, it's in an aquatica housing, uh, and CNC lights. And do you own your housing or do you rent them? No, I own, own them. Yeah. So when you want to upgrade, you got to upgrade the whole housing too. If you wanted yep. to go to the Mark IV. Yeah. Mark IV is not so bad because I haven't changed too much on that. Um, and there is a kit for my housing to, to be able to, take, to adapt it. Yeah. To adapt it. But at the moment, I'm thinking about moving to Sony. Mm. Uh, and like the new 7R2 came out or 7R3. Yeah. Uh, and that is like a three and a half grand camera. Yeah. And a three and a half, four grand housing. housing. Yeah. So suddenly it's, you know. And then all new lenses. Well, I think I can use my Canon lenses like on that. Metabones you adapter. Can, metabones. Yeah. 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 But not having used Sony before, I'm not really sure how, how that all works. The menu systems are weird, you know, coming from Canon. Like, oh, yeah? I mean, it's just different. You know, you got to learn a whole new set of menu systems. And it's yeah. so small. And I, you know, I think it's like any camera. There are things I love and things I hate about it. I've yeah. been shooting Hasselblad and large format for a long time and um, recently switched to the a7R2, and there's a lot of freedom with it. Uh, menus are tough. Menus are, in a, are, are very different and kind of illogical, in, in right. my point of view. Um, so not but there's intuitive. Some, there's some real advantages to the cameras as well. Yeah. Um, you, sh- you should try it out. I mean, you're not going to yeah. know until you really try it out and, and experiment with it. Yeah. It's just interesting because when you're underwater and you've got in some, your camera's inside something like battery life, mm-hmm. something as simple as that is really important because suddenly it, it takes you 20 minutes to to get the camera out and change the battery and put it back in again. Yeah. yeah. So I've put off getting the, uh, the AR2 just because I heard the battery life. The battery life, life is not the best. Yeah. Um, also, with you, video, you have to, it overheats. Yeah. You have to go um, with an extended grip on the Sony. Right. Um, and add another battery. Yeah. That, that will make a difference. And I've actually gone all day in studio shooting. Um, with that extended grip? Yeah. Okay. And, but it, it, the batteries are something you really have to tend to. You right. have to be very mindful of them. Yeah. You know. And that's the thing. So with my 5D, I can do almost an eight-hour shoot on one battery. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. you're not going to get that out of something. Yeah. If you're shooting all the time. Yeah. But I read the specs for the 3, the yeah. 7R3, and it's like, I think it's twice as long. It's got yep. twice the battery life. Yep. Yeah. So what advice do you have for photographers that are shooting that want to try this out? Um, do it try it out i mean there's way so many options that you can do um and it's as expensive as you want to make it you know i started with a 500 hundred dollar plastic bag and i shot with that for a year and it was a great 500 hundred dollar plastic bag yeah <laughs> <laughs> who, who sells bags for 500 dollars? i do if they want to oh. go to my website <laughs> <laughs> so what is it about the bag is it uh the bag so these are made by iwa marine and they're waterproof and they're um they're made to put cameras in for mostly for surf like shallow water kind of stuff. Um, they make weather bags and stuff as well. So um, so it's a good way to get your existing camera 
under the water. Be honest, have you ever just used like seven Ziplocs? No. No. <laughs> not, uh, Ziplocs aren't optical. You wouldn't see anything through that. No. Well, that, not with yeah. that attitude, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> That's called realism, not attitude. Rob, have you come up with a jingle yet? Sure. What, what is it? Let's I don't know. It. I got to think of it. Um, I came up have you ever had, have you ever had a uh, housing or a bag open up on you and ruin your camera? Yeah, my that first bag that I ever had crashed the up. camera. It was so I was shooting with it uh, and my lens wasn't focusing anymore and I was like, "What's going on?" And I looked at it and there's like two inches of water in the bottom of it. Uh, oh, um, but it was my Mark III. Uh, I pulled it all out, drained it. The camera was fine. Like the weather sealing on that camera is incredible. Yeah. Um, and I was on a shoot, like, with clients, and I didn't have a backup, and I had to ring my wife and ask her to go to the rental place and try and get me a sure a, 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 a housing to use. Um, and I have a specific lighting setup, so I need to trigger extra lights that are all around the place. Um, and when they sent me the stuff, it didn't work. One of their cables was busted. Oh, no. So I had to go back to the bag, shitload of gaff tape, and I'd, uh, I found the hole and I had to hold my hand on it for the entire shoot. <laughs> oh, shit. You've got to be kidding. No. So I had to squeeze that thing closed and then just shoot with my other finger. It was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> but I pulled it off and it was like, you know, that's when you're like, yeah, yeah man, I did that. That was MacGyver. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. You told him MacGyver did. Yeah. So you feel like underwater photography is accessible for a lot of photographers. They yeah. Can, it just depends can... on the quality and the look you want. I mean, you can shoot underwater with a GoPro. Yeah. You know, and get decent results. Um, it's just a matter of being creative. It's a whole nother mindset. Yep. Um, and once you're dealing with natural light, you know, you need bouncing, you need to fill stuff in, you know, the more you get into it and the better quality images you want, then yeah. the more you're going to spend on it. Of course. Well, that's because you're learning. You so yeah. what are the top safety tips? Like the absolute don't do this. Let's, let, let's yeah. disclaimer this podcast out right now. Don't drown. Don't drown. Number one. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Don't do a Von Wong and tie your models down, uh, unless you know what you're doing, like a Von right. Wong. <laughs> um, it's mainly power. So if you're dealing with electricity around water, um, you need to know what you're doing. My advice is don't do it. Uh, work with battery-powered stuff as much as you can. Um, you don't want to electrocute yourself and your models. Yeah. Are there any circumstances where working with battery-powered anything can send a shock into the water no because it like a what happens when you electrocute with water is like the you think of the mains as like a hose yeah and as soon as you put that in the water it's like just, a, just it goes everywhere pumping out yeah whereas with batteries they've got a limited life yeah so you might get a little shock but that's but it's gonna stop yeah yeah um i do shoot with power with with mains electricity because i have lights on the surface but um you know they're all hooked up to a what's called a gfi which is a mm-hmm. Ground fault interrupter. Yeah. yeah, I never knew what that stood for. Ground fault interrupter. So if it, it'll trip, right, and it won't let juice continue to pump into the into the water. Yeah, which is good. I feel like that could be your um, your other mermaid name, GFI. Ground fault interrupter. <laughs> I, I like seaweed better. Yeah. I got to be honest. I, seaweed has it has far more personality. Yeah, yeah. you know, it's visual. That too. might replace broccoli, Rob. <laughs> seaweed. Hmm. Man, no, no, nothing will ever replace Broccoli no, Rob. You know, I mean, really, I, I should have a, a land name and a, an underwater name, so I've got them now. Yeah. I'm there. Yeah. Seaweed. I'm looking package. forward to our shoot. Yeah, yeah. me too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> get that chest hair going. So, Rob, do you want to... Well, we have to... That has to be, like... You've you got to get a makeup artist to do that, because I can't just you know, make yeah. it happen. No. You know. Rob, I've got a special guest 
that's going to come on and do a jingle. Fabulous. Corey's coming out to do a jingle. Corey, are you going to come out and do a jingle for us? Corey and I were talking about the jingle, and he had a solution. He had a solution for the jingle, and, and I don't know what it's going to be, but here it is. Give me a break. Give me a break. Break me off a piece of that RGG. <laughs> yes. I like it. Yes. That's, in the, that's, that's one of the best ones we've and had he's, so well, far. And he's got dulcet tones, which yeah. is good, too. The dulcet tones. Oh, Corey's yeah. Voice. Corey, the smooth voice of Corey Black. Yeah. I like it. Awesome. So, Brett, where can everyone go to find more information about your work and the stuff you sell and uh, tips on getting started in, in underwater photography? Yeah. Um, if they want to buy Ziploc bags from me. Um, <laughs> Five hundred dollars a pop. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, so I have two, two, actually two websites. So one is my kind of commercial stuff, which is just brettstanleyphoto.com, uh, and my underwater mishmash of stuff is the uh, is underwater-photographer.com. Awesome. Uh, Instagram is Brett S Photo, uh, and Facebook. Just if you just search my name, I'll probably come up. Nice, fabulous. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you coming by. Yeah, yeah. it's been fun. Thanks any, for having me on. Any, any final back? thoughts? Uh, no. No, no final thoughts. No. <laughs> Don't drown. Don't drown. Don't yeah. drown. Be safe. Be safe. Don't be stupid. Hire yeah. experts that know what they're doing. Exactly. Hire me. This is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hire Brett. He's based in L.A. And he flies to you. Especially if you're in the Bahamas. Especially if you're in the Bahamas. Everything's yeah, sketchy in the Bahamas, man. I'm telling you. Yeah. yeah. Sketchy. It sounds like you've, got a, you've had a, like an experience. Yeah, we've been there a couple of times, and it's just it's dicey. We had a great time. Yeah. Rob just we lost did. his shit in <laughs> the Bahamas because we were playing. What was the song we kept playing? You lost it? Um, it was TV on the radio, oh, Wolf yeah. Like Me. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we were down there. We were teaching a workshop, and uh, we did want to stay at the Atlantis again. And... Uh, so I rented an Airbnb with a pool. Oh. And we was it was the cost to bring our entire crew down. It was the cost of, you know, five days in the Atlantis for two weeks at this Airbnb. So it was like, let's go down for a week early. Uh, we'll shoot some stuff. Uh, we'll do some, you know, video por- portfolio reviews. And it was, it was amazing. Every morning, a maid would come in at like 6 a.m. and completely clean the place. So it was like every night. It was like last night didn't happen. Wow. And then by day four or five, Rob was just not having it. Well, the more. problem was that <laughs> I was the only one that really had to work. I had to prepare for the workshop. I had to give a lecture. I had a bunch of stuff to do. So a lot of people were having a great time. Mm-hmm. They're hanging out by the pool. And, man, I'm trying to get some sleep. I'm trying to prepare. And the bathtub in <laughs> my bedroom was literally shaking and vibrating because... A wolf like me kept playing over and over at maximum volume. So after five days, I did. I lost my shit. Right. Yeah. yeah. I just, I'd had it. I'd had he it. He came down and said, if anyone plays this song again. <laughs> I was pissed. It was great. And that was the last time you used your 12-gauge shotgun. Yeah. Is that right? That was, yeah, that was the last yeah. time. That, that was, was the last time we'll go back to the Bahamas for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, Brett, thanks again. Yeah. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks, yeah. guys. It's Thank you, awesome. Brett. Cheers. To download this episode and the entire season five, go to rggedupodcast.com. And also subscribe to us and give us some reviews and some feedback on our iTunes page. If you just search RGGEDU Podcast iTunes, it'll come up. Or on SoundCloud, you can follow us there where we publish a new episode every Wednesday. Every hump day. Yeah. H-Day. Stitcher. Don't forget Stitcher. And Stitcher. And Google, if you're into that sort of thing. MySpace. And MySpace. You've got to build that page, Rob. I know. And I've got to resurrect Vine, and we're going to bring Vine back. Yeah. 
Good idea. He yeah. doesn't even know what Vine is. G- GeoCities as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Correction, it seems I was mistaken about the origin of the word podcast. My producer is telling me that it's actually a combination of the words iPod and broadcast. But then again, my producer is an idiot who eats macaroni and cheese with chopsticks. I like potty mousse. Season 5 of the RGG EDU podcast is brought to you by Temba, who 25 years ago set out to create the most durable, versatile, and well-made bags in the world for photographers and for filmmakers. From shipping to transport, rolling in air cases, to shoulder and messenger bags, day packs and accessories, Tenbo never compromises, and neither should you. 